one strike from victory. Two outs. And here's what you pay to see the best ever. Baronta jumps on this pitch deep left field. What's going on, Birdland? This is Steven here for the final strike brought to you by the Baltimore Battery. We are underway with our 10th episode. Uh, thanks for the support and thanks for listening. So we have reached our first milestone uh, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. I hope you all are too. So let's get things underway. We're going to start off talking about the Orioles. Uh, we do face the Yankees tonight. Coming into the Yankees game and series, we are 31-16. and 16. Currently in second place in the AL East with a three-game lead over the Yankees, who we actually play. So, important series here. Um, also, two and a half games back of the Rays, who are playing the Toronto Blue Jays. So, we have two series to keep an eye on. Uh, of course, our series. And then, of course, we want to see what the Rays do with Tampa. You know, if we can manage to uh, take this series and, you know, Toronto take the series against Tampa – it could be a whole different ball game in the AL East. Everybody's saying that, you know, Orioles are never going to catch Tampa. But uh, when tonight with a Tampa loss would put the Orioles only one and a half games back. So keep that in mind. Uh, Orioles are 7-3 in their last 10. Uh, so far in the month of May, we are 12-7. and seven, The month that was supposed to be the gauntlet that would show that the Orioles were just beating up on poorer teams. And we are showing grit and guts. So uh, we have... Three more wins to collect this month, and we'll have a winning month. So looking forward to seeing if and when that's accomplished. Uh, we're playing good baseball. We're on a pace for 107 games. Obviously, I know we're probably not going to win 107 games. I'd love it. Uh, realistically, i probably see us in the 90s. My prediction is still 88. Anything above that, and I think we're gravy. Um, I do definitely think that, you know, we should – be in a wild card position regardless of uh, if we hit the 90 win plateau. But I think 88 games uh, would be a good number this year. I also think it's also going to be a number that would get somebody in the playoffs. But I think we're going to exceed that based off the way we're playing right now. Um, we're 13-2 and two in series openers. Uh, so hopefully that continues tonight. We improved 14 and two. Uh, we're 11, three and one in series so far this season. And you got to consider that when two of those losses were in the first three series of the season. So uh, second best record in the majors behind Tampa power rankings actually have us third um, with uh, the newest one. So we're actually starting to get a little bit of respect and that is a positive thing. Um, one of the uh, standout performers for the Orioles um, lately has been Adam Frazier. A lot of people question this signing on um, one because he's 31 uh, Two, He had a terrible season last year with, uh, Seattle, he only slashed uh, 238 uh, with an on-base percentage of 301 and a slugging of 311. I mean, this is a guy who is a career 270 hitter. He's on base 33% of the time. Slugging percentage is just under 400. So, you know, down season last year, he's already eclipsed his home run total from last year. Um, he's got four coming into this series, or, or uh, I'm sorry, he has five coming into this series. He had three last year, so he's eclipsed that already. Um, so we're looking for something good. Over his last seven games, um, he's nine for 23, which equates up to a 391 average. He has a 417 on-base percentage and a slugging 652. 
He's a home run, four RBIs. He's uh, scored five times. Uh, he's just playing really strong baseball, defensively and offensively. He's in a good position, um, helping the team definitely going into the night as a 19-game on-base streak. So Adam Frazier is looking like you know everything that Elias wanted him to be. He's definitely a stopgap player. I don't. He's not going to be here long term. He's even possibilities traded at the trade deadline because of players like Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz. So we already have Joey Ortiz up now. We have Westberg obviously in the minors. Plus, don't forget uh, Ramon Urias will be back soon. He actually will be uh, DHing this week um, down at Aberdeen. So. He will be a key factor to get back. He His bat was uh, picking up, unfortunately, when he did go on the DL. And defensively, he's playing solid defense everywhere he's played. Uh, second, third base mostly. Even got a little time at first base. So we do know he can also play shortstop. So he is a good piece. He is the reigning third base gold glove winner. Uh, that's a whole different story with me. I will always be happy an Orioles player wins an award. Also, don't think 98 games warrants you getting a gold glove in a 162-game season. So, But that's a debate for another time. We're not going to go there. Uh, we're going to keep things positive. Um, anybody who's an Oriole fan, obviously, you know, we saw the Adley Rushman rise through the minors. We saw the Gunnar Henderson rise through the minors. He is struggling a little bit, but I think his bat is coming alive. Um, honestly, would not be surprised to see him have a really strong breakout series against the Yankees. Um, he seems to be hitting the ball when he's making contact, solid contact. It's just not falling. So that's something we're going to keep an eye on. But anyway, speaking of Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, everybody, of course, knows of Jackson Holiday, the Orioles' number one pick in 2022. Now, interesting thing is I went and I had to check out Drew Jones because a lot of people, including myself, originally thought that might be the pick that we were going for. And the more that I'm looking at this, and I even mentioned – there was a dark horse possibility of Jackson Holiday, so I'm glad he was the one we picked based off just what I've seen so far. Drew Jones, he had shoulder surgery shortly after he was drafted. He's played 10 games this year. He's on the IL right now, unfortunately, with an injury, uh, but he's batting 175, uh, striking out a lot, and this is just a single-way ball, so... Um, Definitely right now, it's looking like we've got the better end of that stick. Not saying Drew Jones will not be a good ball player. Do not take that the way I'm saying it. All I'm saying is based off early performances, Drew Jones, shoulder surgery already, IL already on 10 games this year. Jackson Holiday, Orioles' number one prospect. He's number three overall in the Major League Baseball rankings. Um, he was recently promoted to Aberdeen on April 24th. Since that point, Aberdeen has been 13-10 and 10 and has uh, fallen to – or not fallen, but risen to one game under 500. So they're playing a different kind of baseball. Adley Rushman, in fact, uh, he had in Baltimore, seems to be similar to what's happening with Jackson Holiday down in Aberdeen right now. Um, right now through 21 games, he has 30 hits. Uh, he scored 21 runs. Of his 30 hits, he has five doubles, four triples, four home runs. Um, he's slashing 395, 505, 724. A 505 on base percentage is just insane. 724 slugging percentage is phenomenal. The thing that's impressive to me is he struck out 
15 times in the 21 games. Good. But he has 17 walks. So his he's walking more than he's striking out. Remember, Gunnar Henderson did the similar thing last year. And as you know, obviously, as you rise to the ranks, you're going to see that balance out a little bit more. But looking at the bigger picture, okay, over his career, he is slashing 361. Uh, with a 504 on base percentage and 607 slugging percentage in 54 games. I understand that's golf close, golf coast league, you know, single and high, but check this out. Okay. He's got six career home runs so far, 35 RBIs. He's stolen 11 bases. He's stolen eight of them in high A. Now, high Aberdeen is a difficult place for any hitter to hit. And we actually saw that last year with uh, Kobe Mayo, Connor Norby, and Colton Kowser, once they got into out of uh, Pae and into Bowie, they all improved hitting drastically. So you're getting a better talent in double-A over high A, and they got better. You think of that with Aberdeen being a difficult place to hit, and he's hitting 395 already there. But over 54 games in his career, he struck out only 39 times. That's great. But get your mind ready for this. He has walked 56 times. 56. That is 17 more times he's walked and struck out in 54 games. That is phenomenal. That's just showing how mature Jackson Holiday is, how his plate presence and knowledge and his knowledge of the game is phenomenal. He's fielding 990. Um in playing shortstop and second base. He has been playing some second base, mostly shortstop. But the kid has range. He has arm. But his plate discipline is just amazing. And he's creating a different atmosphere for these teams. Um, and very similar, like I said, it was like the Adley effect on Baltimore last year when he was promoted May 21st. Gunnar Henderson, as he was moving through the leagues, of course, People are talking about Gunner and saying that he needs to be sent down. He doesn't need to be sent down. There's an adjustment period. Just like when Jackson Holiday, as he goes up through the levels, that strikeout and walk ratio are definitely going to change. He's going to possibly face a difference in the amount of times he walks a strikeout. So like you said, in high Aberdeen, he's already struck out 15 times in 21 games and walked 17. Over his career, at that 56 and 39 plateau, as you can see, once he moved up, changes a lot. So those are the things that we're going to be looking at. Those are the things that we're going to pay attention to. They project Jackson Holiday to make his debut 2025 is the projection. Me personally, and I've said this, there's a few different episodes. If you've listened to them all, I've said it. I don't see it being that long. I think that the way he's playing, that he will more than likely be in the majors sometime towards the end of 2024, middle to end of 2024. And, of course, everybody's next question is the log jam. Oh, my God, what are we going to do with all these infielders? It's okay. Henderson is our third baseman. Holiday is our future shortstop. Second base is the one that seems to be up in the air. Me, personally, with a player like Jorge Mateo, who is so defensively phenomenal and game-changing, I could see him honestly being our second baseman with um, Ramon Urias being the utility player. And it's quite possible that happens. If it doesn't, 
course, you have Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz. I do honestly still think Joey Ortiz is the piece that will be traded. And the reason I say that is because Joey and Jordan both are phenomenal talents. The difference between the two is when Joey Ortiz was drafted, everybody knew how defensively gifted this kid was. He's proven that. He's shown that. And he's kept that going through his minor league career. But he's altered something in his offense, and he has changed his approach. Um, One of the things that I was talking about the other day um, with a couple buddies of mine was that one of the difference is Jordan Westberg drives through the ball, and Joey Ortiz pushes the ball. And what I mean by that is when you see the swing Jordan Westbrook has, it's all in the hips, and he's able to drive the ball with more effort and power. Joey Ortiz has developed a type of control where he keeps his hips back, and he pushes his hips into a swing, which gives him the ability to push the ball, guide and direct it. He's improved on the offensive aspect of it, which makes his stock a little bit higher. Not saying he's better than Jordan Westberg. Not saying that Jordan Westberg's better than Joey Ortiz. What I'm saying is Joey Ortiz has gone from a defensive wizard and added an offensive array to that, which makes him more intriguing to players um, or GMs for higher caliber players. Jordan Westberg, I still think he might end up being our second baseman. Um, We still do have Colton Kowser down there as well. So we do have players and, and possibilities. They're just not there yet. Um, Colton cows are currently on the aisle with a quad injury. Hopefully it won't be long. Um, I know a lot of people thought that when, um, he was pulled from the lineup last week that he was going to end up making the team. So, or making his major league debut. And unfortunately that didn't happen, but I didn't expect it to happen. Um, you know, realistically, even Elias said he's not there yet. He is close, but not there. So, you know, um, other thing I want to bring up today, and I think I brought this up before, is a lot of people keep talking about our starting pitching. Our starting pitching is not bad. It's not horrible to the point where people make it seem like. I mean, we have the second best record in the AL and major leagues. We have won 31 games. Um, our pitching staff this month has done a phenomenal job. Um, they've taken a step forward, and they have – proven that we have talented guys. Bradish making his second full season as a starter. And last year he was a rookie. So, you know, he's not the seasoned veteran people think he is. Dean Kramer. Yeah, he's been three years that he's working out, but last year was technically his first full season as a starter. Did 26 games, but he didn't even... Remember, he started the season on the aisle because he warmed up in the bullpen in an abdominal injury. So it was a fluke accident and then somehow managed to come back and be a starter. You have Grayson Rodriguez, a rookie with nine career starts, but he's learning. He's getting better each time he's out. He's changing things. He's altering things. There was uh, on Twitter the other day, there was actually a picture showing Grayson Rodriguez um, in the stretch position from the beginning of the season to last week. And there was actually a difference in his stance and approach. So he's changing and altering to find what suits him, what's going to make him better and improve his game. And he's going to keep improving over the season. 
remember Bradish last year went from an okay pitcher to a very strong pitcher towards the end. Last 10 games of the season, he went three and three, had a sub three, uh, sub four ERA, if I remember correctly, it was something like 369, 389 over the last 10 games. That included two dominant outings against the Astros, the World Series champions, who were in the top five in almost every major offensive category and hits, average, run scored, and minimum strikeouts. And he struck out 16 Astros in 16 in the the third innings, yielding only four hits total, six hits total in two games, giving up no runs. That was against one of the best offenses in the eventual eventual World Series champions. You have Tyler Wells. This is only his second season as a full-time starter. Remember, he missed two and a half to three months last year and was our best pitcher from May until he got hurt in July. So we have a collection of young talent, and that talent is learning and improving. It's not like they're seasoned veterans who have been around for a long, long time. They are young players who are learning on the fly. Then you have Kyle Gibson, the veteran, and I know a lot of people start questioning about him, but Kyle Gibson made one of his best starts the other day. You know, it was a phenomenal start, and that's what we're going to get. You're going to have a pitcher who's close to a 500 pitcher. He's, you know, he's 35 years old. He's, you know, he's a few years older than Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles was the same thing. The good thing is he'll eat the innings. You know, Gibson pitched seven innings the other day, gutted out seven innings and put us in a position to win. And that's what we need. Our starters want to be in a position to win games for us, and that's all we want. The days of the 200-inning pitcher are gone. Last season, there were 11 total pitchers in the majors who pitched over 200 innings. 11. And when you think about that, that's 32 teams with a minimum of five starters. Okay? It's 160 pitchers, 11 of them pitched over 200 innings. No one came close to 250. Nobody came close to 300 innings. A 300-inning pitcher is all but dead. You know, basically, teams are building a dominant bullpen, which the Orioles have done, and your starters to carry you five, maybe six innings, allowing three to four runs a game. Hell, a quality start is six innings with three or less runs. So, you know, the fact that they're actually created a statistic to put out for quality starts when, you know, older baseball fans grew up watching pitchers try to get 300 innings. Pitchers pitching double headers. Pitchers pitching 13, 14 innings a game. Pitchers pitching on two and three days rest. I mean... There's, you have Nolan Ryan, who threw 254 pitches in a 13-inning game back in the late 70s. Those days are gone. If a pitcher reaches 100 pitches nowadays, people start freaking out. And I think that's part of the problem why you're seeing the Tommy John Surgery Club, which I call it, because it seems like you have to have Tommy John Surgery now to, to end up being a starting pitcher in the majors. These kids, I'm seeing kids having it in high school now. I mean, it's, it's absurd. The problem is they're babying these pitchers too much. 
that's where I see the issue. I pitched when I was in high school. I pitched when I played community ball. And one of my better performances was a game I threw 112 pitches in, in six innings. We ended up losing two to one, but I threw 112 pitches. My arm felt fine. I was ready to go again. But even when I came out, my arm felt great. I think this mindset of controlling and managing pitch counts is part of the problem because now you have pitchers coming out throwing harder because they know they're only going to get this many pitches. They're only going to go this many innings. So they're throwing balls harder. They're wearing their arm out faster, which is causing these injuries. And, you know, pitchers nowadays are saying, I want to get five innings. I want to help my team win. But we like a pitcher to go seven, eight innings. Use the bullpen limitedly because eventually you're going to have days where you're going to need four or five members of your bullpen. It's going to happen. Orioles just came off a 10-game stretch, and by the end of it, they barely had a bullpen. They exhausted their bullpen in the last game against the Blue Jays, which went 11 innings. And honestly, thank God we had the explosion we had in that that inning in the top of the 11th. Because I don't know what we would have done in the 12th. I don't know if we would have kept Bauman out there or not. I mean, that kid, Michael Bauman, and I know he's had some struggles lately, but he's pitched five times in the last eight days coming into today. So Monday was a much-needed rest. And I know people are going to say, well, our pitchers are not helping our bullpen. It's partially that, and it's partially not. We've been playing extremely good-hitting offensive teams that are going to attack your starting pitchers. They're going to attack your bullpen, and they're going to force you to make moves that aren't always what fans want. Brandon Hyde man, is a, a nearly flawless series against the Blue Jays. And I know people are going to argue, well, if you didn't have Bautista pitch on Friday, keep in mind, Bautista was warming up when it was a two-run game. Adam Frazier hit a two-run home run the inning he right before Bautista came in. So on the flip side of that, you play devil's advocate, you get a pitcher up, warm them up, hurry up, get them out there, and then they come in and give up a home run, and you're back to bring Bautista out anyway. Now you've used two bullpen pitchers when you already had a pitcher warmed up. So keep in mind their strategy. In today's game, there are sabermetrics that are being brought to you instantly for every situation, every batter in the game, Based off what is unfolding with runners on first, with runners in scoring position, with two outs, with two strikes, with one strike, what pitches they hit on this count, what pitches they hit on this. This is all the information coming in, and it's nonstop. It's rolling nonstop. As the plays go, information's updated. Managers have split seconds now to make those decisions. Okay, you can't make the mound visits you used to make. You can't go to the mound twice in an inning, or you have to replace the pitcher. You can't throw over to first base to the same batter with the same batter more than twice in an inning, or basically you're telling the runner, go ahead and run because if I don't throw over and get you out, you automatically get the base. Anyway, you have the pitch clock. There's so many things that have altered the game to speed it up that a manager's decision is, has to be instantaneous and finite. And yes, they're not always going to be right. But if the statistics show that, 
for every three times out of ten, they're going to be right. In baseball, that's a good number. That's what you got to remember. That's what you got to look at. The game is not the way it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's all driven by load management, gameplay management, health management, and rotation. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, thank you all for listening. Like I said, milestone episode number 10. Uh, please don't hesitate to leave comments. Let me know what you think. Please ask questions. Let me know if there's something you would like me to discuss. Um, we're going to start working on getting some people in to join the podcast and ask some questions. Uh, so hopefully that's being set up. We're going to start doing some live podcasts where we're going to go live on TikTok as we're recording the podcast. So I can actually see questions from viewers as well. Um, we'll be entering them live. So we got, we got big plans set up moving forward and I hope you all enjoy and I hope you will partake in helping me dictate which way we're going to go, you know, what we're going to discuss, what we're going to talk about, questions we want answered, you know, information that you're looking for. And that's what we're here for. So thank you all. I want to thank the Baltimore Battery for giving us the platform to be able to do this. I also want to thank our sponsor, Scooters for Rent. If you're in the Maryland, Delaware, Eastern Shore area and you're on vacation, they have all the mobility products that you're looking for to make your vacation efficient and fun. After all, they are the fun alternative to walking. So if you need beach wheelchairs, mobility scooters, electric or manual wheelchairs, including lift chairs because you can't sleep in the hotel beds, give Scooters for Rent a call. You can reach them at 302-280-6203. Tell them Steven sent you. And Birdland, until next time, peace out. Thanks as always. We'll see you next time. A spawn is one strike from victory. Two outs. And here's what you pay to see. The best ever. Marantz and a chance on.